Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. As 2023 comes to a close, it's time for our annual Best Of episode. This is where we look back at which episodes of the Love Your Story podcast were the favorites of the listeners. Which ones did you guys like best? So stay tuned for the top five episodes from 2023. We'll give you a clip from each. And if you've missed one of these faves, go back and listen to get all the good, the whole episode. So coming right up, this year's top five favorites. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story power serves you best when you know how to use it. Welcome to the top five Love Your Story episodes of 2023. Let's jump right in and get started with number five. Number five falls into one of our latest episodes. It's called Voices of Healing. It's episode 252. It's a compilation episode where I pulled in clips from lots of past interviews. So we heard from Todd Sylvester and Amanda Grow and Diane Butterfield, Trevor Lay, and about their healing journeys. So we heard from a lot of folks over the years. I think this episode was so powerful because we learn from one another. And when we pull in real life healing stories from so many different people with different experiences, as well as professionals like Trevor Lay, he's a trauma therapist. Well, with all of these, there's a lot to learn and something for everyone. And the biggest common denominator is that we all have things to heal from. So we all want to understand this path better. So number five, voices of healing. Here's a clip. At any given time, we can be on this path to healing. It is not just something that we do once and everything is okay. Every time you get cut or a broken bone, you have to heal all over again. And of course, it's the same mentally and emotionally and psychologically. We need to heal whenever we experience hurt. So we are all off and on the path to healing continually. As I've gone back and listened to the healing stories of past guests, and as I consider my own healing story, I mentioned that it really struck me how complex healing is. It's not the exact same for everyone, and there are so many possible steps, but I came up with eight that popped up over and over. Let me just go through those really quickly. The first one is allow for the pain. Let it be there. Let it flow through you. Resistance just makes it suffering. Number two is give yourself time. Don't demand that you be back at full capacity immediately. You know, I notice that I always expect myself to deal with things and get back to business, accomplish, accomplish, no time for slouching. But we need to be kind and understanding with ourselves and our own healing journey. The third one is find hope. For many, Christ provides this hope for a better tomorrow, hope for healing and hope for overcoming, sometimes hope for justice, 
hope for light, for less dark. Hope is crucial to survival. It's a really big part of getting through anything. The fourth one was asking for help and support. The fifth one was being gracious with yourself, allowing for self-care and allowing for self-forgiveness when it was needed. The sixth was looking for the positive. That positive mental outlook makes all the difference when somebody could shift from an injury or a, a betrayal and being able to shift into looking at things positively, their healing journey changed considerably. And we'll, we'll see some of that um, further on. Um, the seventh was finding meaningful lessons that you can take away from the things that you've experienced. The eighth was accepting your story. And in some cases, telling your story, you know, releasing any shame by not allowing a dark story to fester. Shameful things feel more shameful when they're kept in the dark. And the last one was forgiving and letting go. If you want to hear all the stories from this favorite, go back to episode 252. This one launched on August 23rd of this year and take a listen to the whole show. Okay, here we are at number four. The number four favorite episode of 2023 was episode 239, my interview with Chris Hawker. This episode was titled, Tools to Magnify Our Worthiness. Now, I loved this episode too, and I loved my chat with Chris because he's a man that's been in the leadership of Next Level Trainings, which was where I did a great deal of my own work moving forward in life, learning to reframe my stories. Now, when Chris came on the podcast, he was super honest, super vulnerable about his own struggle with feelings of unworthiness. He told his story, and then we talked about how unworthiness happens, how he navigated his. And then we get to hear some of his wonderful suggestions for reframing those erroneous and destructive feelings. And I think this one was a favorite because working through any feelings of unworthiness is an important part of really just becoming who you are. That's another part of being human. Here's a clip. Like, you know, many people growing up, I grew up with a lot of insecurities based on the traumas of my childhood. So everyone's got their sort of victim story. And uh, mine is that I grew up with a speech impediment. So I had a very loving family. I grew up, I was very fortunate uh, in where I, you know, the family that I was born into, incredible parents. I have an older brother who was just an amazing friend and uh, always, um, but I had a speech impediment. And so as a result of having a speech impediment, I got made fun of as a kid, right? Like when I was in school, other kids are cruel. They're not real uh, understanding. And I was different. And so they poked fun at me, made fun of me, you know, copying my impediment or whatever. And sure. Lots of people can relate with that. Yeah. And and it, and I and I took it to heart. I, I believed them, you know, I, instead of like disbelieving them, it like it wounded me deeply. I was like, oh, I'm something's wrong with me. I'm, you know, something's broken in me. I can't talk properly. And as a result of this, um, I'm unlovable is the story made mm-hmm. up. In fact, like I remember as a little kid, I had a personal mantra, which is like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Why can't you talk right? And I would chant this to myself in my head as I laid in bed to put myself to sleep really oh. like yeah and I was like I'm so, so sad I was so uh and I was so sad 
you know, even though I had, yeah. thank God, I had such an incredibly beautiful environment. Like I had such great parents and, and, and I had health and, you know, there are a lot of positive things in my life because it could have been, you know, even worse, but I put myself through my own little personal hell as I would lay there in bed fighting back tears. Cause also boys weren't supposed to cry. And so like, mm. I had all this pent up shame about who I was and, and was convinced as a fact that something was wrong with me. And so I kind of, my, my journey was, and so I set out to prove that I was lovable and the way I was going to prove that I'd learned early on, well, if I did something, if I created an accomplishment, if I got an A in a class, I would get some praise from my parents and that would make me feel better. Or if I got any kind of achievement and then I got praise and that would like ease the pain in my heart. And so I discovered I could get a temporary reprieve from my internal pain by accomplishing something. And so I set out on this sort of mission to accomplish things. And in school, it was grades and and I focused on the things I was good at. So there were some positive outcomes to this, actually. Like, it's not always all negative. Sometimes in the pursuit of proving our worthiness, we, you know, we might do great things. And oftentimes people do. But at the same time, it wasn't providing me any satisfaction. So I was getting good grades. I was you know, achieving, you know, good things in school. I was a great artist and I focused on that. And, uh, but regardless of what I accomplished, as soon as that would fade, then I would, you know, there would be a moment of feeling better, but then I'd have to do something else. And if I ever failed at anything or anything didn't go well, I'd be destroyed because, oh my God, how can my parents still love me? I got a B on the test. And like this, the slightest differentiation off of perfect, when I was imperfect and if I was imperfect, then they may not love me. So to the, even to the extent I felt good, it was such a fragile. Good well, the accomplishment was a band-aid. It wasn't, it wasn't solving the underneath issue of the, the feelings of, of unworthiness. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. To hear the rest of this story about his road to truly embracing his full self-worth Again, it's episode 239, and it aired on February 22nd of this year. Now, number three. The number three top fave for 2023 is none other than What Kindness Can Do with Peter Mutabazi in episode 242. Peter Mutabazi grew up in Uganda. And in this episode, we hear his whole story, the brave escape from an abusive father at just 10 years old, his subsequent life as a child living on the streets, struggling daily to stay alive. It's such an intense story. And the fortuitous meeting of a man who would change Peter's life and in changing his life ended up changing his siblings and their children and all the children that Peter now helps as a foster parent. So this is a super powerful story. And it was one of my favorites as well. So just as a reminder, this was part one of a part two series that I did with Peter. The first one is called What Kindness Can Do, and the second one was called What Hatred Can Do. And I guess one of the reasons that this was my favorite as well was because his story is just incredibly shocking, unbelievable. From a different part of a world in a different situation, it took me to a place that I just didn't know anything about. And how often do you get to speak with someone who was actually there during the Tutsi and the Hutu massacre in Rwanda? And he was. That, that part of the story actually falls in part two of what hate can do. But both of these are super powerful episodes, and his story is incredible. The whole thing 
incredible. <laughs> but here's the beginning of his story, number three, Peter Mutabazi. When I was 10 years old, and I think as you grow older as a kid, you know, the abuse changes in a different way. Uh, it's the same, but as you grow older, you understand it in, in a whole different way. And as growing up at 10, I think I, uh, the most difficult was watching abuse come towards me and towards my mom as well. So I think at 10 years old, not, not being able to protect my mom or watching my mom get most of the beating because she was advocating for us, that really made uh, that difficult for me. So I didn't want to see it. I didn't want to leave. And I didn't, I was done with life in some way. So for me, when my father sent me to go buy cigarettes that night and it was raining and I knew coming back, I was going to get the beatings. I thought this is the time I should give my life away. So for me, running away wasn't like I was looking for a better place. I think I thought if I should die, I should die in the hands of a stranger, not my father. So for me, I walked to the bus station and I said, hey, of all these buses, which one goes the farthest? One, I asked because I knew if I, my father found me, I mean, he'll kill me. But on the other end, I thought if I should die, I never want him to have the joy of burying me. So that was the whole reason why I asked the lady, which one goes the farthest? And the lady showed me and I ran away and I ended up in Kampala. But that night, it, it was more of life for me to never should be the end. You know, that I should not watch my mother or my siblings hear the abuse that we're about to hear tonight. And I'm not going to give the joy to my father to do so. So that was the reason why that night at 10 years old, I thought I am done living. And that's why I went away. I can't imagine at 10 years old having those kind of feelings and also having the courage to hop on a bus and travel and run for your life, really. Like, that's incredible. Tell us a little bit about where you're coming from. Tell us about Uganda and your village and your mom and your family. Kind of what was that home base like? You know, I grew up in a small village, you know, where everyone around me was poor. Everyone was poor. So it wasn't something where you said, well, you know, maybe it's us who are feeling the pain of not having food. It was everyone. So there wasn't an example to say, maybe I want to be like family number B. No, you're all poor. All the kids went to fetch water three miles away. All the kids went to the garden. All the kids never had shoes. All the kids had one pair of, of clothes. And that was my background as a kid. You know, I'd grown up from a home where no one ever told me to dream. No one ever said, hey, Peter, one day you can be something. No, you know, it's hard for a mother. If they can't feed you for a night, how do they tell you to to really dream in some way. But also, as I, you know, as we get older, we get to know the meaning of our names. My last name is Habiad Mana, which means a gift given to us by God. And I understood the way I got that name was because for every 100 children who were born in my village, 60 would die before the age of two. So my mother was afraid to give me a name until when I made it two. So she said, well, he survived. So I'm going to call him. He's a gift or he's a produce given to me by my God. So my just my name gives me the background of how miserable and how lucky I was even to make it a two. So from the get go, that's all I knew. Misery. You know, there was never food. There was never peace. There was no glimpse of hope. There wasn't anything that can say I look forward to seeing tomorrow. None, none, none. There was no food. You worked so hard at age of four. I was able to go fetch three miles away. At age of four, you know, I was able to, to dig and help in the garden. At age of four, you know, so at age of four, I could do things for a 50, what a 15 year old in the United States can do. And so for me, there wasn't really any joy. And that was my background as a kid where I just 
day to day just went you you dream to see today you never thought about tomorrow because today was hard enough that you're like okay i'll stick today if we have no meal today i'm not sure there can be a meal tomorrow so that is really the, the little background of what my life was Again, listen to this whole episode and the next episode, part one and two, for his whole incredible story. He's amazing. Now for the number two favorite of the year, episode 244, Tips on Connecting with Your Man, my interview with Lara Doyle. I found it super interesting that the listeners were wanting tips on connecting in relationships, especially romantic relationships. I guess I should have guessed it. After all, that is an important part of our lives. So I thought this was really fun that this was such a favorite that everybody loved it. Lara Doyle, she is a New York Times bestselling author. She's the star of Empowered Wives on Amazon Prime, and she hosts the Empowered Wives podcast. On her homepage, it says, quote, I show women the proven way to fix their relationship without their man's conscious effort, even if it seems completely hopeless, unquote. Well, In our interview, I was actually really surprised at the tips that she shared, which made this episode kind of fun. And the thing that made it even more fun is I went and tried them and they were very successful. So definitely they weren't things I would have guessed, but they were great. So here's a clip. Well, the second common mistake that I was certainly making and so many women make is uh, being too helpful. And, um, and it's funny because you think, well, what do you mean too helpful? Like, of course, I'm helpful. I'm his wife. I'm supposed to help him. And um, I know uh, for me, I was really just overhelping. You know, I was helping him with his resume. I was helping him. Uh, well, you know, gosh, look at his underwear. He really, someone's got to buy some more for him. And, <laughs> and just so many making doctor's appointments. Instead of being the, the wife and lover I set out to be, I was more like his mother mother. And men are just not uh, sexually attracted to their mothers, thank goodness. And women are not sexually attracted to their little boys either. So it just kind of has a chilling effect on both sides. So I had become much too helpful. And there's this little cheat phrase that I love to use. And uh, I'll tell you, um, one of my students, Kathy Murray, actually, uh, when she first got the book, she decided to experiment with this phrase too. She and her husband, they were on their second marriage. They had a blended family two kids from each of them. And she decided they, they'd been sleeping in separate beds for six months and really were kind of on the verge of divorce, uh, a second divorce. So she decided she had nothing to lose. She was going to experiment with this cheat phrase that she had just learned from reading the book. So he said to her, um, oh, uh, Kathy, I need you to tell me what you want me to do with the cell phone plan. So she was a CFO of a large private school, huge private school. So she had a big job. She's really good at what she did, but she was bringing the same skills into the marriage. She was trying to help her husband manage the finances better, right? Being a little too helpful, possibly. And it was having a chilling effect because he knew that she didn't really trust him with the finances, that he might pick a crummy plan or he might spend too much money on it. And so she decided, but all of a sudden she decided she's going to experiment with this phrase she just read about. So she, he said, what do you want me to do with the cell phone plan? And she said, oh, uh, Doug, whatever you think. And he just looked at her funny, like, what is going on here? Who are you? What have you done with my wife? And he said, no, I I really need you to tell me what you want me to do because he didn't want to get in trouble later on, right? He knew the the drill. 
And so she just thought, I'm sticking with this. So she, she repeated it. She said, no, whatever you think, Doug. And then she added, I trust you. To hear how this tip worked and to hear her other tips, go to episode 244 and get the whole enchilada, the whole episode with all of her tips and examples and all the good stuff. And now we are to drumroll number one. The very favorite episode for this year is one of our latest ones. It's episode 255, Developing Healthy Thinking Patterns. This was part of the Emotional Resilience series that I did here in October and November, and I'm excited that people are thinking and talking about this topic because healthy thinking patterns are going to make all the difference in our experience with life. In fact, it's the crux of Love Your Story. The stories that we create in our own minds are our reality. So learning to nurture healthy thinking patterns helps us bounce back when things get tough, help us create the kind of life that we want intentionally. This is, this is it. So very exciting. We want emotional resilience. We want that power that it can create in our everyday lives. Here's a clip from that show. I had an example and a client might say, I am not worthy of love and belonging. And then you say to yourself, is that actually true? Is that a factual, is that a true fact? If not, it's an opinion. Second, would you even say that to a stranger, not just a friend? Would you even walk up to someone and say, you're not worthy of love and belonging? If so, where's the proof? What's your evidence? So you do a lot of cognitive logical thinking and in today's pop culture, positive affirmations are probably the top thing that everyone thinks is helpful. Just believe that you're amazing. Just believe that you're lovable. But the brain quickly rejects those thoughts because the neuropathways are so ingrained in just one direction. So it'll, it'll believe whatever you tell it to believe. And it looks for evidence everywhere you go. See, that person didn't look at me. They don't care about me. They didn't invite me to this. So you you create, like you talk about, love your story. You almost create a false story. Oh, um, all the time. We do. The and, <laughs> and the fact that we can, I think it's important for everybody just to acknowledge all the stories they're creating in their brain is their own reality. Like there's not one reality on this mm-hmm. planet. There are 7 billion yeah. different realities. And the whole thing is playing out in everybody's individual brain. So there's no yes. way to really know what's going on with anybody which, but, mm-hmm. but, but knowing mm-hmm. that and recognizing that about yourself, it allows you to double check <laughs> your stories. Like that person didn't look at me. They, they have bad feelings toward me and you can stop and say, okay, I just made up that story. Like self-awareness yeah, there. That come from? Yeah. Right. To double check your, your stories. And then yeah. I remember when I learned to do that and it was so freeing because I would quit making up we, we make up stories and we can go on and on with them. You know what I mean? And then it's something that hasn't even happened yet. We're like, Ooh, what if this happens? And then it goes on and you create this complex story. And when I learned to stop doing that, I saved myself a ton of time. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. It's so much, it's brain, it's energy, mental oh, energy. Yeah. Well, so- and once when, you tell yourself those stories, then you, they've kind of taken a seed of reality in your experience. That's how powerful mm-hmm. our thoughts are. And mm-hmm. then our mood shifts and our feelings about that person shift. And it, 
it can get wonky and and nothing even happened that's the that's the crazy thing which wouldn't you think that that would tell us wow if your thoughts are that powerful why not shift it toward actually helping you If you want to listen to that entire episode, it's episode 255, a powerful discussion on specific healthy thinking patterns. And a big thank you to all of you that listen. I just want to tell you how grateful I am. Obviously, a show is not much of a show without listeners. We are embarking on our eighth year this year, and I'm very grateful for every one of you. And I would love to hear from you. I don't get to talk with my listeners very often, so please feel free to reach out. And anyone that reaches out, I will respond to. You can leave voice messages or send notes on the website, which is the same as always, loveyourstorypodcast.com. There's a new place. We have a new website where you can um, leave a voice message, which is a really cool new thing. So please reach out. And as we close, I hope you had a wonderful 2023 and that in 2024, you will find yourself enjoying the interviews and the stories that we're going to share in this next coming year. I also have a quick announcement for 2024. I'm going to be introducing a new format. I personally have been loving podcasts that I can tune into for a quick bit of learning. So I'm going to provide the same for you guys. This year, I'm going to switch it up between our regular interviews and stories with what I'm calling Love Your Story Quick Chat. And that is one inspirational idea in 15 minutes or less. So we'll do two episodes a month. The first will be our regular format, 30 to 40 minute interviews, sharing life stories about triumph and tragedy, usually both at the same time, right? And of course, what what the person learned and how we navigated those spaces. And then the second episode for that month will be a quick chat, where in under 15 minutes, we're going to discuss one idea, a healthy thinking pattern, a hopeful concept, something really powerful, but we're gonna just get in and take a quick look. You can listen to it quick and head off into your day. So sometimes on that, I'm going to invite a co-host to come in if they've got some special knowledge on something. And sometimes I'll just dial in and we'll talk about why that idea feels so important, but it will be a quick inspiration for your day. I hope you'll love it. Looking forward to 2024 and I will see you in two weeks.